Amen. Where can you win $1 million? American family. $2 million? American family. $10 million. Only from American family. Three grand prizes, folks. You may already be the winner of $1 million, $2 million, even $10 million. I will personally start awarding these giant prizes just three months from now. So watch your mail for the envelope with my picture. $10 million. All for you. You may have already won $10 million, the flyer said. It was from a company called American Family Publishers. Some of you may remember them. Their main spokesperson was a famous personality named Ed McMahon, Johnny Carson's sidekick. And for those of us who might remember Johnny Carson, anyhow. <laughs> Notice the clever wording. You may have already won, implying that it was a done deal. And you were the winner. Well, American Family Publishers folded up a few years ago. A similar company, Publishers Clearinghouse, is still in business, also selling magazines by promising major prizes to their winners. I'm not going to ask this morning how many of you may have uh, returned one of their entry forms. Some of you are still probably receiving magazines that you first purchased from American Family Publishers or Publishers Clearinghouse years ago. Somehow, though, in 1997, a church, the Bushnell Assembly of God in Bushnell, Florida, got on the mailing list of American Family Publishers. It was a computer poofah, I guess you might say, kind of a goof up. And it twisted the name of the church, and a sweepstake notice was addressed to God of Bushnell. <laughs> and it was sent to the church address. The accompanying letter with that form read like this. Dear God, we're searching for you. You've been positively identified as our $11 million mystery winner. I'll bet God was excited about that. <laughs> the letter went on to say what an incredible fortune there would be for God. Imagine all the looks you will get from your neighbors. Don't just sit there, God. Come forward now and claim your prize. We're not told if God returned that order blank or not. Our New Testament lesson for the day from Philippians tells us that the Apostle Paul wanted to win a prize. But it wasn't mere money that he was seeking. Actually, he wanted more than $11 million dollars. He wanted a prize of infinite value. He writes, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, 
becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to be taken hold of. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on to the goal, win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul had one goal in mind. And he was straining with all his might to attain that goal. And that was to know Jesus Christ. To know him in his death on the cross and to know him in the power of his resurrection. No wonder Paul had such a lasting impact on the world. It makes a real difference in your life when you know what your life goal is and when you give yourself unreservedly to that goal. I'm interested to see these three young people that we recognize this morning along with that, the rest of that list, what their goals, how their goals turn out in the next four, five, six years. I think we all have at that point in time in their lives, our lives, we've all looked at what are our goals for the future. Oftentimes, we, it, it's a case of uh, finding a job, going on to school, maybe finding a spouse, <clears throat> a spouse. But nonetheless, we are called to have some goals. I was reminded of a story that came a while back, a few years ago, about a pair of South American men who decided on the spur of the moment, and of course without uh, telling any of their family members, that they were going to go out and do some fishing. And they had a small boat and they decided to do some fishing out on the ocean. Unfortunately for them, the motor failed, and the current swept them out into the vastness of the Atlantic Ocean. Within hours, they no longer could see the coastline. Weeks of hunger and thirst, sunburn and fear passed by as they struggled to survive on the few fish they were able to catch and the meager amount of rainwater they could collect. Both of these men were strong and fit, but six weeks after the start of their ordeal, one of the men succumbed to despair and died. The other, however, clung to the hope of seeing his mother again. He passionately wanted to spare her the grief that his disappearance and presumed death would bring. And this hope sustained him until many weeks later, a freighter happened by and rescued him. 
Think of that. This surviving castaway dared to hope that he'd see his mother again. And that that Mary may very well have been the factor in his survival. It makes a real difference in your life when you know that your goal, where your goal is and when you give yourself unreservedly to that goal. Not that you will always achieve those goals, but to have a goal in place. Tony Campalo tells a humorous story about a friend of his who attended a prayer meeting where people were sharing about their prayers and about how God had answered prayers for them. And there was one elderly missionary there that told how she had gone to the mission, gone to the mission field wanting very much to be married. The other missionaries who worked with her were all married and, and had good companionship. And she longed for the same companionship these couples had. She had prayed long and hard for a husband, but it just didn't happen. Out of curiosity, one of the women in the group inquired, why is it that in spite of your many prayers that you never got married? The elderly missionary woman smiled as she answered, somewhere there's a 70-year-old man who has been fighting the will of God for 50 years. <laughs> we don't always fulfill our dreams, but having a compelling goal is a vital ingredient in an effective and successful life. Unfortunately, many Christians don't have a clear understanding of what God expects of them. In one of his books, Bible scholar William Barclay told of a dog he once owned. Rusty was a bull terrier, and he would accompany Barclay on his walks down through the meadow and beside a stream. You see, William Barclay owned a farm in Vermont, and he enjoyed time there when he could get there. When they reached the stream, Rusty had this passion for just plunging into the water, locating a rock on the bottom of the stream, getting it in his mouth, and bringing it up and taking it up on the bank. He would carefully deposit that stone some distance from the water's edge, and then he'd go in for another. Time and time again, he would fetch his treasured rock, repeating the process for hours on end, if he was allowed. Barclay asked this question, what is the point of retrieving rocks from the bottom of a stream for this dog? So far as he could determine, there was none. The exercise served no discernible purpose of all, at all. Barclay then observe that this is the way many Christians are. They seem to be going through the same monotonous routine every day, but without a purpose, with no projected goal. They appear not to know what their reason for existing actually is. 
Barclay suggests that these people operate on a dog level. Now, let me hasten to say that you're not going to hell if you don't have a distinct purpose for your life. Some people blunder through life quite nicely with no discernible purpose. But you won't find life as fulfilling as you would if you knew you were fulfilling God's plan for your life. It was the Swiss psychologist Carl Jung who wrote, Most of the people I see suffer not from physical illness, but from spiritual aimlessness. They have lost their aim. They have lost sight of who they really are and what is really valuable. The happiest people in this world are people who know God's will for their life and seek with all their hearts to live according to God's will. There was a story on the website recently, on an Australian website recently, that carried a story of a young man named Peter who happened on a purpose for his life in a very unusual way. Peter's life had a most unpromising beginning, I guess is the best way to describe it. At age nine, he was put into an institution for running away from foster homes. By the time he was an adult, he had been in and out of jail for many years and uh, reached a point where he was selling $40,000 worth of street drugs a day. Well, after a heavy-handed police raid, Peter started to reevaluate his life's direction. It was then that God revealed himself to Peter in a very tangible way. One day, Peter heard God say to him quite distinctly, Peter, I want you to follow me. Over and over, he heard this command. Feeling troubled and not knowing the source of that voice, Peter jumped on his motorcycle and tried to escape it until his brand new motorcycle broke down. Covered in tattoos, dripping with jewelry, Peter decided to hitch a ride back to town. A young couple picked him up, and after a few minutes, the driver turned around and said, I feel like I need to tell you something. God's telling me to tell you that he loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Well, with that, Peter became emotional and he asked to be dropped off at the next corner. Well, the next car came along and picked him up and the driver had basically the same message. God loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And so did the third driver. Well, it's hard to believe, but three times in one day, Peter received practically the same message from three different people. The next day was Sunday. So Peter decided that he better go to church. And when the pastor gave an invitation to Christian discipleship, 
Peter went forward and gave his life to Christ. Now, Peter's the founder and the CEO of Shalom House in Western Australia. It's a live-in rehabilitation facility that brings restoration to the lives of men and families all throughout the community. It's said that God moves in mysterious ways. God certainly moved in a mysterious way in Peter's life. Today, he has a firm direction for his life, and he's making his life count for something significant. You know, Peter's experience was kind of like the Apostle Paul's Damascus Road experience. Remember that story? Paul's on a journey to persecute Christians, and as he neared the city of Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed all around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And from that day forward, Paul was determined to do and to be what he believed Christ had called him to do and to be. There was no turning back once he had this vision of Jesus. Quitting for him wasn't an option. But one thing I do, he wrote, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. For Paul, his journey wouldn't be finished until he stepped through the gates of heaven. It's kind of like a Irving Stone historical novel. You may have read, maybe read this in a, a literature class at some point, The Agony and the Ecstasy. It's an inspiring novel in which Pope Julius had given Michelangelo a, a difficult assignment, I guess is the best way to put it. The sculptor was to go to the Blue Hills of Carrara and quarry out a tomb for the Pope. Do you remember Michelangelo was a sculptor? And in turn, Michelangelo selected Gilberto, the finest foreman available in all of Italy, to lead the expedition. They hired a fine crew, and together they set out to fulfill this task. For a long time they labored, but finally the crew gave up. Gilberto spoke for them all when he said to Michelangelo, We've had it. We've tried. That's enough. We can't do it. We're quitting. Well, Michelangelo looked Gilberto steadily in the eye and said, I can understand if you must quit, but I hope you will understand when I say that I cannot quit. I will find another crew. I will find another foreman. And then I will come back and complete the task. Because I am under the assignment of the Holy Father. And with renewed determination, Michelangelo devoted himself to the task at hand. Michelangelo didn't quit. Because he was under the assignment of the Holy Father, the Pope, 
In the same way, the Apostle Paul didn't quit because he was under the assignment of the Heavenly Father. And he believed a prize awaited him. The grandest of all, the prize of knowing Jesus. Sir Thomas Lipton, the founder of Lipton Tea, was quite an accomplished yacht racer. He won many boating trophies, except the one he really wanted, the America's Cup. One day he was showing some friends all his trophies in his home, and he said, I'd give them all away to get the one I didn't get. I don't believe that Paul fell short of his goal. I believe he came to know Christ in both his death and resurrection. In fact, I believe that everyone who seeks to know Christ will one day attain the prize, and it will be the prize above all prizes. I want to know Christ, Paul wrote. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for which Christ had taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to be have taken hold of, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Creator God, you prepare a new way in the wilderness and your grace waters the desert. Help us to recognize your hand working miracles beyond our imagining. Open our hearts to be transformed by the new things you are doing so that our lives may proclaim the extravagance of your love for all and its presence in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us sing.